All right. So um, I'm so excited. I'm so thankful and so honored to be here this morning with everybody um, that I get the privilege of speaking. Um, I usually speak to people, you know, but not so many people. Um, so just try to hear me out. Okay. Um, I'm so thankful because today is December 1st. And this is one of my favorite times of the year. It's my favorite holiday. Um, it's amazing. Some pe for some people, Christmas is, you know, the season of cheering, the season of giving, the season of eating. Um, but for me, Christmas is humility. All throughout the Bible, we see so many different kinds of acts of humility, from Moses to King David to Paul. And yet one of the biggest acts of humility that we see is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. It's because of Jesus. Jesus chose and he came down and was born in a manger. All right, so um, I'm going to go ahead and read from Luke 2, verse 7 from the NIV version. Um, so this is Mary, right? She's the mother of Jesus. Right now she's in panic mode, right? She's giving birth. She's like the water broke. Everything's going crazy. She's in pain. And she's trying to find somewhere to have her baby. So this is where we pick up. Right? And it says, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. So as I was reading this, I was like, what? Okay, I see manger, right? And I see it in Christmas movies. I see it in, like, whenever you do little plays at Sunday school and all that stuff. Um, and I was like, but we see a, vi a picture, but we don't see the vivid picture, right? So I started to think, what is a manger? And so a manger is, it, the Bible says, it's where animals eat and lay their heads. But yet, what are animals? They kind of stink. Sometimes if they're eating, they spit saliva everywhere. They might throw up. They might, you know, they, they eat and then, you know. Um, so they're very disgusting and probably flies everywhere. It's disgusting. And I don't know how many of you guys are parents. I'm not a parent, but, you know, parents in the house, love you guys. Um, when you think of a baby, when your child is going to be born, you don't want him to be around disgusting things. You want to make sure that the hospital is clean, that the, that the person who's going to, like, help you, you know, give birth, they're clean, they wipe their hands, everything. Even whenever the baby is one years old, you're like, if you're sick, get away from my child, right? Because you don't want them to get a sickness. But Jesus, being king of kings, chose down, and he didn't care if he was going to be sick or anything. He chose to, to come and be born in a manger. Like, that was just one of the biggest signs, biggest acts of humility already. So what did this show? Being born in a manger gave a sign of surrender. So when he gave a surrender, a lot of people think, you know, surrender. But I, when I thought about this, already in the Bible, a lot of people already knew there was going to be a king coming, right? They, the Pharisees knew, the, the Jewish law people, they knew, right? They, they knew that there's a king supposed to be coming. But the stereotype of culture sets our eyes to already be expecting something, right? Be expecting a king who's in a palace, clothed in gold, with the finest Gucci, with the finest Louis Vuitton, everything, right? And you're expecting something. But the fact that Jesus came and was nothing... That just, it, it, it blew their minds. They, they weren't even expecting it. They weren't. They weren't looking for someone like Jesus. So when he came, he had to surrender. He surrendered that type of stereotype 
And that entitlement of wanting to be a king, you know, he chose to, I don't want to be like that. I'm canceling culture, right? So he chose to be born in a manger. So he surrendered his standards to give us a picture of who he truly is. And because of that, a lot of the Pharisees, they're expecting the perfect performance. But Jesus, he chose to have a perfect surrender. So the second part of the verse, as we keep reading, it says, because there was no guest room available for them. So he was born in a manger because there was no guest room available for them, right? Um, So Jesus chose to be born in a manger. Um, This past summer, I went to California And um, my cousins, they welcomed us with welcome arms, right? And we were already, like, I had, like, four people with me, right? It was crazy. We didn't want to accommodate them. So we were like, okay, we're going to go buy an inflatable bed and, you know, just chill out. She was like, no, 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 no. I want you guys to come, and I want you guys to have my room, my beautiful bed. Take it. And I was like, no, like, I want you to stay in your bed. I want, I'll take the couch, you stay in your bed. She was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you my bed because I want you to have the most amazing and best experience you've ever had in California, even if it means that I get uncomfortable. That right there is Jesus not having a guest room, but he chose that because he was like, I don't want to unaccommodate you guys. Like, I want you guys to have the best of the best. I'd rather be born in something that's nothing than to have everything. So uncomfortability second idea is uncomfortability leads to humility. Jesus chose to be uncomfortable for us to be comfortable. And not only whenever he came and was born, he also throughout his whole entire life of ministry, he then went on and started his life of ministry. And there's another part in the Bible. He says it a couple times in the Bible. And Matthew 8 verse 20, it says Jesus replied. So Jesus is talking to one of his uh, disciples and he was like oh master master I want to go wherever you go and Jesus was like foxes have dens birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head that just goes to show that all throughout his whole entire life Jesus never was able to be comfortable where he was at but yet he still chose to be here in the beginning he was with animals and even animals have a place to lay their heads but yet Jesus, our king, was homeless. Like, wow, that's, that's, that just blew my mind because I was like, all right, Jesus, you humble, humble. And so as we keep going, I was like, what does it take for me to be like that? Like, I can't even get on my knees and feel uncomfortable or comfortable because I'm like, oh, my knees hurt. Okay, let me, I'm going to just sit back on the chair, God, and I'm going to pray from right here, you know. Or, God, my hands hurt. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Or I don't want to pray for them because it's just weird, God. Like, Jesus said, I'm going to take the most weirdest kind of story just to show you who I truly am. So with all this, with all the, the, the nasty animals around and with not, ha- not having a place to lay his head, Jesus never once limited his surroundings, what he was around, to let God work through him. What I'm trying to say is that so many times, like, we are so, like, oh, because my friend's over here, oh, I don't have money. Like, I, I don't even have a place to stay. 
you're limiting what God is trying to do through you. Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. Jesus didn't even, he was wrapped in strips of cloth. It says he was wrapped in strips of cloth, meaning he didn't have clothes. For most part of his life, he was just walking around probably in the same sandals forever. Like, you're over here getting a new pair of shoes every single week, but yet Jesus chose to say, be with the same kind of shoes. So with that, don't limit your environment to let God do what he's going to do through you. So keep going on. What if we kept laying hands? What if you kept laying hands on other people, even though you, you don't even have a place to stay? What if you kept praying for someone else's success, even though you have, you're struggling financially? What if you kept your ego aside to let someone else's blessing get to where they need to be? Even for yourself, keep that pride aside so that you yourself could reach your potential. Because God is not keeping you from your potential. He's not. God never said, Jesus, I'm going to keep you from your potential. No, Jesus didn't do that, right? Pride is what keeps us from reaching our potential. Pride is the reason. There's so many other things like ego, bitterness, entitlement, anger, that is keeping ourselves from reaching what God wants to reach, you know, what God wants us to reach. So let's choose to live in a life of perfect surrender by choosing to take out pride, by choosing to take out ego, by choosing to take out bitterness, by choosing to take out entitlement, and choose to live humbly just as Jesus came. Jesus came and lived a life of humility so that we could also do the same. So, to close it off, Christmas to me is humility because of the simple fact that Jesus is humility. Amen. Amen. Good morning, New Birth Church. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? This is the first Sunday of Christmas at um, Christmas at New Birth. Are you guys excited? Man, I, I feel the presence of God already. I'm excited. I'm excited. Just like how Becky was saying, we're speaking on what is Christmas to me. What Christmas is to me, it's really all about integrity. I feel like that's what it's all about. See, I feel like you could look at Jesus when we're talking about integrity. He was a perfect example of integrity. And as you study the scripture, as you study the four gospels, that's what Jesus walked with. Jesus was just all about integrity. And if you guys don't know the definition of integrity, integrity is you. It's you being the same everywhere you go. It's you being the culture, not, yeah, we carry the culture, but we're supposed to be the culture. We're not just supposed to be the Christian, just these four walls. No, we're supposed to be the church. The church is inside of us, and we need to walk with that. Amen? So if you guys could turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, I'm reading from TPT. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. Jesus was sent in was sent into this world as a, as a savior and never changed who he was. You see, if God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner. If God wanted to judge the world, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. But he sent Jesus because he wanted them to save the world. 
That's what it's all about. Despite the hate, despite the whiplashes he took for you, he still never changed. He was still a savior, and that's what it's about. He was a savior. He died on Calvary for you. What, for a maybe? For a maybe? Have you ever just done something for somebody? Like you just went all in, just all in for somebody. This is what Jesus did. He went all in for us. So we have to be all in for Jesus, man. We have to be all in for Jesus. If Jesus went all in for us, despite the hate, despite the pain, despite the seasons he went through, we have to be all in for Jesus no matter what we go through. Have you ever guys gone through a tough time? You know, life's hard. Like, we've all been through a moment in life where it was just, it was really hard. It was really painful. But just like Jesus kept that integrity, we have to do the same. Paul, Paul, whoa, whoa, whoa. My mic just cut off. Paul says to the Corinth church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, I want you to pattern your lives after me, just as I pattern mine after Christ. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, be like me. Be imitators of me because I'm an imitator of Jesus. You see, you will look the most like Jesus when you walk a life of integrity. When you walk a life of integrity, you are being Jesus because that's what Jesus did. Jesus walked with integrity. This is who Jesus was. See, most of you guys know the story of how Jesus was tempted by the enemy when he went into the, uh, into the wilderness for 40 nights and 40 days. He just fasted. He fasted. He fasted. He fasted. But... When he fasted, you know, you, you always get tempted when you, when you do a fast. Like, there's always that little voice in your head. And for this moment, it, it, was, it was the enemy. And you see, the only way Jesus remained his integrity during that moment was because he was obedient to God. When the enemy would come at him, he would use God's word as a defense. Most of you guys, you guys go through things, but you guys aren't using God's word as a defense in your life. God's word has to be a defense in all of your guys' lives, every time. You see, in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, verse 105, I'm reading from NLT, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. To walk in obedience, we must live in his word and seek his word. I love what, what, what Becky was saying. As culture gets louder, we have to open up our Bible and dive deep into God's word. That's where you're going to find your answers. You've been looking for your answers in other things in culture and society, but you're not going to find nothing there. You're going to find your answers in God's word. That's where you find the answers. If you want to walk in the will of God, this is where it starts, walking in God's word. Jesus was obedient to God through his word. Through this obedience, we develop integrity like our Savior did. And I want to go back to that verse, um, Matthew. It says, she will give a birth to a son and you are to name him Savior. But what I want to focus on is what it says, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. He was destined to be obedient towards God's command. It says it right there. For he is destined to give his life. Jesus was destined to be obedient to God's command. He never once questioned God. He was like, God, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to walk in your will. And this is how we walk in integrity, guys. This is what we need to do. We need to be obedient to God. In order to live with integrity, you need to walk in obedience. That's what we have to do. So as I close out, Christmas to me is integrity. But in order to live in integrity, you have to walk in obedience. Amen.
Newberth, how are you doing today? That wasn't a rhetorical question. I really mean it. How are we doing today? Feeling good? How many of us like Christmas? Raise your hand if you like Christmas. Oh, that's a lot of us. All right. I'm just saying that because most of my friends like Halloween. And don't get me wrong, I like candy. So to all of you Christians who are saying, oh, man, he a Christian up here. What are you doing liking Halloween? I like candy. My brother wants free candy, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go to every single person's house and get free candy. But that, even with all that, <laughs> Halloween isn't my favorite holiday. I like Easter, or as we call it, Resurrection Sunday. But it's like a three-day weekend, so it's like he died, and he rose again, and then we're back to our week. But Christmas, that's a whole month. I got till before Thanksgiving to get ready for presents. I got till before Thanksgiving to set up, you know, help out around the tree, do all that stuff. So there's something significant about Christmas. There really is something significant. And it separates this holiday from every other holiday. So to all of you that don't know me, my name's Chris. Um, I'm a leader here at New Birth. And um, safe to say I've been here for a minute, but um, I've seen the highs, I've seen the lows. And honestly, from what I'm seeing, it only goes up from here. It only goes up from here. Amen? All right. Dang, they already started the counter. Y'all green. <laughs> All right. Um, let's throw the first song. We're already wasting time. I'm reading from ESV. It's Isaiah 9-6. You guys got it? All right. For us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Feel free to highlight that. Feel free to underline that. Tattoo it. It's going to be important later. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Title of my sermon, What Does Christmas Mean to Me? And it's passion. It's passion. We're all passionate about something. I know we're all passionate about something. Even if you don't say it, you're passionate about something. We're passionate about hobbies. We're passionate about a career. We're passionate about our girl. We're passionate about God. Amen? My first idea, I'm just going to jump right in. It's Christmas to me. It's passion because I've been given the best eternal gift of mankind. It's the best gift I've been given. There's no gift like it. These ones are awesome. But I can't go to them when I'm feeling sorrowful. I can't, I can't go to them when I have anxiety at 1 in the morning. I don't know who to run to. I don't, I don't know when everyone's asleep. I don't know where to go to when I went when I'm feeling depressed, I don't know where to go to when my family member just died. I don't know where to go to when I'm feeling miserable. I don't know to when I'm at the lowest of my lowest. I don't know where to go to. But there's a gift that has been there for us. And because he's so good, he didn't just die. He gave every single one of us the same spirit, the same spirit that lives in me, the same spirit that lives in Pastor John, the same spirit that lives in Pastor Gabby is the same spirit that lives in you, is the same spirit that you can call on whenever you feel like you're depressed, whenever you feel like you don't know who to turn to, whenever you feel like you need advice, whenever you feel like you need all these things, there's only one person who can turn to, there's only one person that could give you that supernatural peace that no other God can give you, Buddha can't give you that, Muhammad can't give you that, Ali, whatever it is, I don't care who it is, they can't give you that, Jesus can give you that. It's supernatural. And don't try to understand it because you can't understand it. You won't be able to understand it. He will give you a peace through the midst of it. He's not saying that he's going to take away. He's not going to take away your pain. But in the middle of it, I feel such a peace. When someone dies, 
when someone dies, I went through some of the past couple months, it was probably some of the most painful months of uh, this year. And uh, man, Jesus, Jesus, even in the middle of it, man, he said, I'm a caretaker, so let me do my job. So safe to say, there's no gift like that. So any Christmas I go to, I don't care. She's the best gift I've been given. And uh, you know who else has passion in the Bible? A guy named Simon. Y'all know Simon? If you've been a Christian long enough, you know that Simon is actually Peter. But before he's Peter, he's still Simon. And I'm, I'm going to actually summarize Luke, four, Luke 5, 4 to 7. And it's basically when Jesus is first encountered with Simon. He's saying, Jesus finds a frustrated Simon after seeing him not catch a single fish. He gets into his boat, and after he finishes speaking to the crowd, he tells Simon to lay down his net. Simon answered, Master, we told all night, and we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Side note, it wasn't before Jesus got on the boat that he took down his net. It was after Jesus got on the boat. So safe to say, who's on your boat? If it ain't Jesus, you don't belong on your boat. So Jesus seeing him frustrated, and if you don't know Simon, he's a very impulsive guy. The man chopped off a man's ear. He doesn't think. He literally chopped off a man's ear. He didn't even knock him out. He took his sword and he said, bah! So he chopped it off. He doesn't think. And isn't it crazy that Jesus likes to use those kinds of people? He doesn't use people that have it all together. He uses people that chop off other people's ears off. That's the people he likes to use. Those are his disciples. Those are imperfect people. And he sees them frustrated because he didn't take nothing. And isn't it crazy that when he saw Simon not take anything, Simon not seeing himself not take anything, it said, Master, we told all night and took nothing with an exclamation point. So I thought he was mad. But then after that, he said, but at your word, I will let down the nets, period. No exclamation mark. That's weird. I thought he was mad. But it seems to me he was frustrated, not mad, because he knew who was on the boat with him. He knew exactly who was with him. He said, Master, I told all night. He could have just said, I told all night and I took nothing. Who are you to tell me if I'm going to catch any more fish? And if we're like anyone else here, we were in a society that, that Master, we were told all night and took nothing. Master, I've been in this relationship long enough. I'm just going to quit my own relationship. Master, I've been at this job long enough. I'm in this job and nothing's happening. I haven't gotten a promotion because we live in a Netflix society. We live in an Amazon Prime society when we want everything given to us within the next three days. But Jesus doesn't work like that. And automatically, we, 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 we think that our passion is found within three days. He didn't give up his thing. Jesus didn't tell him to give up fishing. Don't give up fishing. But a lot of us are frustrated because we think when nothing's working, we go on to the next thing. And then we wonder why we're, we're, we live in a life where we can't figure out what we want in life. We can't even stay stabilized for a few days. We can't even stay stabilized for a, a few months. And Jesus, man, Jesus said, your word, I will let down the nets. That's what Simon said. And once Jesus said, lay down your nets again, 
He didn't tell him, go be a carpenter. He didn't tell him, do this. Yeah, you're right. You suck at fishing. Go do something else. He said, lay down your nets again. Because it leads to my second point. My passion, Simon's passion, wasn't the problem. His alignment was. His passion wasn't the problem. Jesus didn't tell Jesus didn't tell Simon to change what he was doing because his passion wasn't the problem. His alignment was just off balance. So all the creative team out there, you know that when the camera's off focus. See, I know a little bit about a little about photography. I'm not, I'm not I'm not on the creative team, but I know a little bit about it. I know when it's off focus. Problem's not with the camera, it's just off focus. Keep hopping from relationship to relationship. God doesn't see you wanting a relationship a problem. You're just off alignment. God sees you hopping from job to job. Your love for people isn't the problem. You're just not consistent. You're just not able to stick through it through. I love this season because it's a season of joy. But to some people, something in your life can make this a season of misery. My love for this season isn't because of the season itself, because of my perspective. That's why I love Christmas. So you cannot give me any, any presents, but I know where my, my perspective is found. I know exactly where it is. It's not on the season itself because if, if something happens three days before Christmas, well, there goes a season of joy. But this season is known as he is the reason for the season, for a reason. We don't just shout that out for no reason. I know exactly why this is the reason for the season. I know exactly why I celebrate Christmas. I know exactly why he did what he did. I know exactly why I have the best gift. I know exactly why. Which leads to my last point. My passion with the right perspective will lead to the best expression. Did you guys know that your passion is a a gift from God, everything that you love, you didn't just give that yourself, don't try to convince yourself that you're man-made, you're not man-made, everything that you have God gave to you, every passion that you have, he DNA'd in you, it's all Jesus, it's all God, he gave that to you, so when he gave you that, he gave you that passion, but because we, 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 we think that because we have a passion for something and now we don't like it, now like, we try to blame God because at the end of the day, that was his gift to us. And then we blame God for something we didn't know how to treat. We blame God for something that he gave to us when we just didn't know how to handle it. You know who else was a gift? Which, by the way, when I said son is given, I'm going to mention it right now. A son was given to us. A son was given to us. He was gifted to us. God gifted Jesus with us. And look at how we treated him the wrong perspective. We didn't want Jesus. We wanted miracles. We didn't want Jesus. We wanted healings. We didn't want Jesus. And because we treated him with the wrong perspective, look at how we expressed it. Put him on a cross. Whipped him with the cat of nine tails. Put a crown of thorns over his head. He butt naked. Embarrassed. To the very people he's saving the very people that put him on that cross. That's how we treated him. That's how we, we, we treated a gift from God. But isn't it crazy 
that even a gift from God still align to his purpose. Isn't it crazy that even through all that, even though he gifted us with something that we messed up, he still find a way to use it for God's purpose. Isn't that crazy? Tap your neighbor and tell them, passion can turn into purpose. Passion can turn into purpose. Passion can turn into purpose. So even if I don't get a single gift this year, even if you don't give me anything this year, I know exactly where my passion is found. I know exactly where my perspective is, and I know exactly how to express it. It's down on my knees with my hands on high. I know exactly how to express my gift to God. I know exactly how to use my gift because he gave himself to me. So who am I to say that I don't know how to treat my God? Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. God, you don't owe me everything, God, but I owe you everything, God. Thank you, Jesus. So that's my passion. I don't know about you. I don't know who's in your boat. I don't know what you're passionate about, but I know my passion. My passion is with me every day. My passion is with me 365 days a year. My passion isn't a hotline that I can only reach to on the weekends. My passion is a hotline that I can reach to at 4 a.m. when I'm feeling anxious and I can't go to sleep. That's where my passion is found. Where's your passion? Where is it? That's a personal question you need to ask. Where's your passion? Really, where's your, where's your passion? And that goes for everyone. That's not excluded to some people. That's for everyone. Where's your passion? Amen? Amen? Come on, scream it a little loud so the devil can hear it. Amen? Can you guys make some noise for these young guys real quick? Come on, you can do better than that. Let's go. Let's go.